This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Well, is the exception. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and the same. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. Hello and welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And today we are talking about season two, episode two. I have the name of it later in the outline, but I can't remember right now. It's a lot of P's. It's a lot of um, alliteration. There it is. Proper preparation and planning. And I am a fan. I, I love alliteration. Like, man, I don't know why I'm doing surfer no- motions to describe my love of alliteration. But yes, proper preparation and planning is our episode today. But guess what? We have a special guest joining us today. She is Yay. a writer, an editor, a podcaster, and a friend, the creator of We Who Walk Here, Jessica Scott. Welcome to the pod. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, thank you for joining us. We're so excited. So Jessica, why do girls make the best podcasters? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm girls kidding. get it done. They do get it. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Unless you have a family emergency and then just fuck um, off everyone. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Jessica, tell us when you first discovered the boys, and I realize that could be interpreted a number of ways. <laughs> so How much time do you have? No. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was familiar with the comics. Um, I oh, cool. was not, I didn't read a lot of it. I'm not a huge Garth Ennis fan, mm-hmm. um, but uh when the series started up, I started hearing how amazing it was. A lot of people that I really like, or a lot of actors I'm a big fan of. Um, I didn't start from the jump, but I got caught up really fast and I just was obsessed with the show. Um, so I've just been, I binged it to catch up and then I've stayed caught up and, um, you know, rewatching it for the pod has been really fun. So um, I was familiar with it before the show, not super interested in it before the show, but once the show hit, I was like, I'm all in, I'm all in. I had a very similar journey with it. Um, And so you are completely caught up, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Oh, man. So yeah, just for the record, I am not. So so now we have another person who can say, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) I know something you don't know. I know something you don't know. This is one of the ones that I've been kind of looking forward to talking about for a while for a couple of different reasons. One one very special musical moment that I can't wait to talk about. Um, (laughs) But before we get there, let's uh, check out what's going on with the world outside of the boys with Huey Cutie and the news. Rachel, do we have any good news? We, yeah, we actually have some news. Um, some good, some bad, mm. uh, and straight from Kripke himself. So, you know, let's let's start with the good, I guess, or at least the, some interesting news. Um, so on July 24th, Kripke offered this little nugget about the upcoming Gen V show. Ooh. He said, Gen V takes place between seasons three and four of The Boys. So that's always like helpful to me to always like put things in context. Mm-hmm. I know we're not there yet, but when it does come out, um, at least knowing like, all right, this is the place that it exists in. And it says with some storylines that carry over to season four. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting. So it's kind of like, I don't know, like a Rogue One scenario, I guess. So there might be some things that happen in season four that have ties to this. So it's like, well, I guess I guess we have to watch it. Um, 
And then he says, but, you know, with all the same blood, madness, goo, and heart, you'll love it. Uh, we'll be the judge of that, Kripke. Exactly. We'll <laughs> yeah. um, but then there was also some, you know, not bad because we obviously support the reasoning behind this. But mm -hmm. in regards to season mm -hmm. four, Kripke tweeted, when season four drops depends on how long the WGA strike goes. No answer yet. Tell the studios to make a fair deal. So it sounds like they are waiting. Well, they have to wait for the strike to get over in order to drop season four. Mm -hmm. And um, understandably, some fans had some questions about this because it's been reported that filming had wrapped. So they're like, well, why are you waiting? Like, it's already done, right? So Kripke then offered an explanation saying there's a good amount of dialogue we write in post that the actors come back to record called ADR mm -hmm. to help bridge story gaps or clarify, clarify a plot point. We'll also edit dialogue together in different ways to, quote, rewrite it. So writing at every straight stage of the process, hashtag WGA strong. So this is interesting in a few different ways um it's interesting to know that okay we're not going to get this anytime real soon it's looking like mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. also it just kind of reiterates the importance of writers and that yeah writing happens at every stage just because filming's done doesn't mean the writer's job is done and that's just why they're so critical so yeah pay them exactly <laughs> pay them yeah and i think that is one of the ways i think studios have been trying to save money is in cutting writers out or like diluting the amount of writers um, that are still involved in post-production work but that is still mm -hmm. like a critical part of the process and you know we say it every time for a show that is so well written like this show would live and die based on its writing because if if it wasn't written well it'd be a bunch of hot people running around in superhero suits um, and also like I think you know it might be finished and they might be able to squeak it out but it's like I feel like it's on the people with a lot of power and the high profile mm -hmm. assets, like the ones that can afford to wait, because there are a lot of writers out there that can't. And I know people yeah. are struggling. And so, you know, that's the whole reason of sticking together and, and strong. So I'm dying to see this, but you know, I also want it to continue and I want TV like this to continue. So it's like a short term, like cut for a long term gain. So exactly. yeah. And you know what? Like it, it gives us a chance to catch up. So who knows? Exactly. Maybe if season four comes out, we'll be ready to cover it. You know, That's right. As Part it's of, happening. I'm kind of like at war with myself too. I'm like, and we don't have to worry about it yet because we don't know when it's dropping. But I'm like, what yeah. are we going to do if we're not caught up? Because I don't want you to miss out. Um, and some of the things at the end of season three are just so great. Um, Jessica, have you heard much about this Gen V? And again, I have to say not Gen V. Gen right. V, but are you excited for the Gen V show? I know zero about it, but I'm very excited for it. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, I'm all in with anything they're going to do. To be honest, I trust this team and I trust the yeah. creators. Um, but I partially, I have been kind of less online than I used to be, which has been a good thing on the whole mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. But I've also just kind of avoided hearing about it because I'm like, I want to be kind of surprised. I'm glad that I wasn't a comics reader. I mean, I know obviously it differs from the comics anyway, but I'm glad that so much of it is just a shock to me. Mm -hmm, like I'm yeah. watching it fresh. Um, but yeah, so I know nothing about it, but I'm very excited for it. <laughs> Yep, love that. Yeah, I'm kind of in that boat too. But like you, like I'll I'll watch anything. At this point, I'll watch anything Kripke is involved with, I mm -hmm. think. Totally. 
Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to the name of the game, which I already teased some really strong alliteration. <laughs> We've got proper preparation and planning. And, you know, an interesting alliteration note, <laughs> which I think is interesting, but like the PL is not actually part of the alliteration because it would have to be pre pre. And did you know that if it starts with a vowel, it's not actually alliteration? There's another word for it. Wait, what? No. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the word is. Probably starts with a consonant because you know, <laughs> I don't know why I think it's so interesting, but I just do. I love alliteration. Um, all right. So let's get to the description of this episode. The boys get themselves a super terrorist. Starlight gets evidence against Vought. The Deep gets in touch with his feelings and Homelander gets himself a family. Sort of. All that and a hard hitting expose on why super suits don't have pockets. <laughs> and this episode was directed by Liz Friedlander. And as we, you know, we'll come to find out, this has some pretty heavy feminist overtones and issues that they're discussing. So it's nice that they brought in, you know, a female director to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a prolific director and producer who's done a ton of media of all sorts. So TV, feature films, over 80 music videos. <gasps> Featuring <laughs> one, lots of- Alanis Morissette, like, is on my yeah. shirt. <laughs> It's like Sorry. wild. You like look at the list of music videos she's done and it's incredible. But yeah, Alanis Morissette, U2, Woo-hoo. Megadeth, Avril Lavigne, wow. John Mayer, Celine Dion, um, Blink-182. Like it's crazy. <laughs> so cool, cool lady. And um, as far as some of her other more, you know, film and TV related projects, some that may be of some interest to the folks here on this pod <laughs> are <laughs> 90210, Gossip Girl, Girl. (laughs) Sleepy Hollow, the TV show, The Following, starring Kevin Bacon. (laughs) I watched that. I watched a season Mm -hmm. of that. I did too. There's some hot people Uh, in that show. (laughs) mm -hmm. Uh, American Horror Story. And there's a Billy Butcher short film titled Simply Butcher. And Mm. she directed that as well. And um, just by looking at her kind of her resume and this episode, she just strikes me as a very efficient creative director who has just an incredible grasp on how to effectively utilize talent and keep things neat and concise and effective. And I think we see that in this episode. Rachel, would you say girls get it done? Yeah, I. you know what? It would appear so. <laughs> Which also alliteration in that phrase. Mm. That's why I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to Sup with the Soups, which is when we recap what's been going on in past episodes, catch up with our fearless soups and our boys. So in our last episode, which was the season premiere of season, which was the premiere of season one, the boys are laying low in a creepy basement sans butcher. Huey's got a plan to get help from Susan Rayner, but oops, her head explodes. Luckily, yeah, I know. <laughs> Luckily, he, when that happens. I know. <laughs> I only had a nickel. Luckily, he's also still in touch with Starlight. And speaking of Starlight, she is fully playing the Vought game and hating every minute of it. She blackmails her old pal Gecko, whom I would still date, to get a sample of Compound V. And they can leak to the media. Jessica, I see you nodding along. Would oh, you yes. date Gecko too? One hundred percent. Vindicated. <laughs> I know. I. You know what? You guys. I'll let you two fight over him. <laughs> hey, we'll get out our machetes and go. Exactly. To town. Just, like, 
we could probably pull him apart and somehow <gasps> make two of them. I was like, oh my god, he's got that's enough genius. to go around. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you did just split him straight down the middle. Right. What and hashtag not a euphemism. Like I wonder what would happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I I came in hot and dirty tonight, and it's just going to keep going, I think. Um, poor Gecko, though. He's just like, he, he's a pincushion, mm-hmm, you know? Yeah. Anyways. All right. But Ashley is back, and her plans to add a differently abled superhero to the seven go disastrously wrong. Turns out Homelander just recommended her to fill Madeline's position because he knows he can push her around. And I've got now, I see, I'm seeing Ken. Just strumming a guitar, staring down actually <laughs> right in her face. I watched that the other day again. So sorry, I am gonna get through the synopsis. All right. Butcher's back and the seven has a new hero and she's a pistol. All mm-hmm. right. So that's what's been going on. Let's get straight into our bad boys. And man, you know what? Let's just go for it. Let's talk about the deep. I feel like he is who opens the episode. I have there are a couple of deep big moments in this uh this three episode arc i'm very excited to talk about um several of these and this is one of the big ones so jessica how do you feel about the deep okay (laughs) (laughs) um i have struggled with the deeps storyline particularly as it kind of develops here there's something that happens to him that unfortunately I cannot remember where where it happens. I don't know if it comes oh. afterwards, so I'm not going to mention it. But mm. they um they kind of explore his motivations for assaulting Starlight and for you know victimizing women. And I struggled so much with it because you know I don't want you know you. You're not being honest if you're depicting a rapist as a one-dimensional, you know, evil, snarling villain who's yeah. not a human being. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I uh, I was uncomfortable having sympathy for him at moments. Mm-hmm. And totally. the, the way they, you know, getting into his own self-hatred and the way he hates his own body, so he lashes out and attacks other people's bodies, more vulnerable people's bodies, um, and, you know, things that have happened to him being victimized, it's, I I still struggle with it. I don't know where I come down on it. Um, I'm not criticizing the show. I'm just talking about my own discomfort yeah. with kind of reckoning with who this person is and um, the struggles they have and the things that they have done to other people. Um, so, you know, I, like, I think Chase Crawford is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't recognize, it took me a long time to recognize him because I watched a little bit of Gossip Girl. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, he <laughs> um, looks so, so different. The, he does. It, it really blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I I still struggle with the deep. So I was excited that this was the episode we got to talk about because there's a lot of that with him. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to hear what y'all thought about it as well, because this is this is one of the thorniest parts of the show for me is not his rehabilitation as a character, but just kind of digging into what makes him tick and why he has done what he's done to starlight and other people and kind of seeing him as a three-dimensional human with his own insecurities and reasons for doing things. And it just sitting with that, that discomfort and thinking about it has been a big part of this show for me, because so much of this show is about violence against women and sexual violence. And it just 
Homelander's existence is like a constant threat <laughs> of sexual violence. And uh-huh. it's just, yeah. I think it's really smart the way they dig into how power works and how men especially wield power and how, you know, the it's a cliche at this point, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like these people who are so untouchable, the things that they get away with because they can, I, I think it's really dark, but really honest in how it deals with these, you know, dynamics of power and victimization and what you have to do to survive in this world. And um, I've been talking for way too long. I'm so sorry, but I just, <laughs> I'm really excited that we get to talk about like how dark and how complicated this show gets mm-hmm. and i i would really love to hear what y'all think because i'm still like i just i'm so uncomfortable and i just sit and try to work through my feelings and i just can't come up with a good answer other than i feel so uncomfortable and i feel so um i'm so unhappy even though i love the show <laughs> yeah no i know what yeah. you mean yeah that discomfort is what's like so interesting to me coming into this kind of just blind a little bit because it's it was since we are dealing with superheroes and like traditionally it feels like superheroes are so you know good bad you know hero villain that kind of thing and so to see a character really kind of go from despicable to sympathetic to you know victim to assaulter like it's really it's it makes me uncomfortable as well let me say that but it's also like fascinating just from kind of like a character and like writing and you know standpoint just the grace that they've been giving this character to really go through this and put you as like the viewer in that uncomfortable position Mm -hmm. like I kind of love that they're doing that I'm quite curious to see where it's going to end up because now he's all like I, I don't know what this like group is that they're doing like when they (laughs) when she's asking him like to draw a picture of himself in that thing and like clearly there's like a very obvious feature of his anatomy that's missing and he just like doesn't get it like that's Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. sad and also it's it's just but yeah I don't want to feel bad for this guy because clearly he has some issues and has been taking it out on other people but yeah it's it's that is uncomfortable in and of itself because it's kind of I don't think that they're justifying it I don't think that they're making excuses for him but I still yeah I'd like to see a little bit more acknowledgement I guess yeah (laughs) on his part Mm -hmm. and we'll see if we get it I don't know but Mm -hmm. yeah the deep is not a character I necessarily thought he was going to be or that we were going to get yeah and I'm so glad to hear you both say like and I'm not glad that you're uncomfortable but I'm <laughs> glad to I'm glad you're talking about it because I think it's so easy for me to um just want to look at pretty Chase Crawford who's funny and just forget <laughs> it you know and I think mm-hmm. that is part of this character you know is that if you are attractive if you are charming you can get away with a lot more than mm-hmm. um than other people can and i've got some similar thoughts about homelander especially in this episode mm-hmm. and i think it is important to keep remembering that no he like just given a good you know having a witty little comeback about like blizzards and stuff like mm-hmm. that makes you more human but it also does not let you off the hook for what you did i think part of the other side I don't know if it's actually the other side but another aspect of it is like I do appreciate seeing him really dig through 
these issues because I don't think we see many characters like this really kind of confront this and go past the canceling, you know, to what mm. happens like the week after that and the week after that. And I think, you know, I don't know if he's like a role model for young scumbag boys, but like <laughs> if he is like, cause what he hears his body say or what somebody says, like you hate your body. So they vi you violate theirs. Like, I think that is a truth that a lot of people need to hear because mm -hmm they can understand it once somebody puts voice to it, you know? And so I mm -hmm. think I, I really like watching this journey. And I think part of it is because I just like completely separate emotionally from him and what he's done. And I don't know if I should be doing that, you know, I, so, which is why I'm glad we're talking about this because every time I'm like, oh, he's so funny. Oh, I love this moment. Mm -hmm. I love this moment. But there's more to that character. And I don't want us to forget about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's interesting too because it's kind of I don't know if he would get to this point and you know obviously he still has some ways to go but where we see him get to in this episode I mean do you guys think that he would get to this point on his own? Like it's kind no. of like eagle in this you know woman I can't remember her name but or if they've even said but <laughs> her name is um, creepy I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> creepy not uh what does she say a teacher or something. Yeah, creepy Mrs. Um, Fresca or something. <laughs> but just like it took somebody else to intervene and tell him like basically like no like you need to you know forcing him they lock him in a room on mushrooms <laughs> to kind of like acknowledge and you know open himself up to improving and you know going through some of these emotions and it's just like I don't think he would do it otherwise and that is not an attractive quality i mean he's beautiful but like that is yeah. not an attractive quality it's like oh i don't think he would actually change he would be drunk on a playground yelling at people right, right. <laughs> like exactly yeah yeah it, i mean it's all about appearance like the bartender is like don't make me call tmz that's the thing that mm -hmm. makes him leave not that he's yeah. being an asshole it's that right. oh well, people are going to see me being an asshole yeah you know? Yeah, I've just, you know, I'm just going to talk about Barbie till the end of time. But like, it, or it's like that moment where he's like, oh, no, we're still doing patriarchy. We're just hiding it better. You know, it's yeah. like, I think yeah. he and part of me, I think he still thinks he's going to be able to figure out how to hide it. And he's not actually mm -hmm. going to have to change himself. Mm -hmm. um, and he's lucky that he has people that want him to confront these issues. I do think that it's true that like he hates his body and i think it's yeah. interesting to see him get that low and to really kind of confront that and i mean you got Patton oswalt playing his gills you know like who expected that i remember watching this episode for the first time and i was like what the fuck is happening i loved it mm -hmm. yeah and i love that there is just no effort at all to have them sing in the same key <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. it's just and the perfect little jerry you know also, the deep would go to a Goo Goo Dolls concert. Like, yeah, he would. Yeah. Well, and we hear yeah. that story about the teacher, like teacher of the year thing. Like, that's awful. Yeah. yeah. And this was pre seven, right? So yeah. it's kind of like, like, this is some like, yeah, the seven's not giving a teacher an award. <laughs> right. Like he's been, he's been an kind of egotistical asshole. Like, right. Fuck boy. For, like, right. like, uh. For a long time, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you mm. know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I did win Teacher of the Year one time. 
and uh, Ooh, nobody liked hey. the I know, but you know, <laughs> luckily it went a lot better than this. It sounds like this young lady's night went, but yeah. yeah. Did somebody show up to give you your award? <laughs> oh man, it's a long story. They clearly like forgot to plan this thing and just kind of threw it together at the last minute, which was fine. I got oh, some no. money in a, in a plaque <laughs> and a dinner. It was fine, um, but it would you know no no deeps there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's interesting. It's like the more we find out about him. So I don't know. There's, I mean, there's a long way to go with him, but I think yeah. he is, Jessica, I think you're right. I think he's, is a very honest depiction of this character and he does, he knows something has to change, but I don't think, I still think he sees himself as the victim in all yeah. of oh, this, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. And then, I mean, there's a part of him that I don't know if victim is the right word, but like, it's awful to hate your body, you know, and to have like, to go every day, like hoping that people don't see a certain part of yourself that you don't like, you know, that, that mm -hmm. is really hard. And I think even somebody who looks like as beautiful as Chase Crawford to see yeah. him so self-conscious too, I think is, is, he's just a really interesting character. Um, yeah. It also reminded me of the Sex and the City episode when Charlotte's vagina gets depressed. Did y'all watch yes. that? <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we can move on from the deep he may come up he's got kind of like a, a side um plot line right now anything mm -hmm. we want to say about eagle the archer and mrs creepy other than fresca <laughs> i mean my interest is peaked like i have no idea exactly like what their you know end goal is and what their motivations are really but i'm curious all right, well, let's move on to Homelander. And they've got kind of parallel story, not necessarily parallel, but interesting. Maybe I thought similar things about them, and that's where the connection's coming from. Because I think for a long time, and I said this on an earlier episode, I really bought his line that it was consensual with him and Becca. Like, I think I just didn't even really question it because this hot man and authority was saying it and he was like look i didn't do anything wrong you know and mm -hmm. i just i let myself um believe that and so i didn't dig into anything complicated and i think this episode i re it really hit me like how awful this must be for her you know and we don't mm -hmm. know what happened in that room but we know that there i mean there's always a power dynamic with someone who can fry you with his eyeballs and you know, it's like, what would she do? Should she, would she leave her son behind? Like she is completely trapped for the rest of her life. And it just made me think how awful that was for her and the fact that nobody can do anything about it. So. Yeah. And I, this, this is one of the hardest episodes for me to watch seeing Becca struggling so hard to be strong for her son and stand up for him. But she is terrified she's being re-traumatized every second that she has to interact with this man and he, you know he's violating her again being in her house taking over her child um i think she did a tremendous job the actress whose name i can't recall i'm so sorry but um she does such a good job of like fighting with the like the fear and like the nausea and everything that's coming up versus this no i have to protect my child this is not about me right now um and yeah, the the Homelander scenes are. I hate that they ever make me 
feel bad for him because obviously yeah, yeah. he did not a, have a very good or easy life as a child and seeing him break a little bit as he's you know spinning these you know wild stories about this great childhood he have had and then kind of saying no that was all bullshit i you know my life is terrible i i'm so lonely and you know but then he goes back into his you know fascist mode where he's, he's like we're gods we're better than everyone else uh -huh. um <laughs> um and this also has like I scream and crawl out of my skin every time with the scene in the office with the breast milk. Oh, I, uh -huh. just yeah. oh man, he's got a milk fetish. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I think milk is just kind of gross. It was so I do. Like, I do not like it. For the record, <laughs> also for the record, that is a Chantel Van Santen who is playing Becca. Thank you so much. Yeah, she I does agree. such She's a good job. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like she literally has nobody else. So like she can't even it's not like she can go to like you know talk to some fellow moms like on the playground about right. like or whatever like mm -hmm. she has like no support system because of you know who the her child's father is and what that child means in this world and just like can't tell anybody you're trapped in this existence you know the people the doctors and the vot people who are supposed to maybe potentially help like even they're like dude we can't help you <laughs> like right. it's homelander yeah. like there's nothing we can do like you're on your own like mm -hmm. what just the obstacles that are thrown up in her way it's just i can't even imagine on top of like the emotional and like you know the the child and stuff just feeling so helpless and having mm -hmm. no support system is just brutal and knowing you know like then there's the butcher of it all mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah mm -hmm. poor, yeah poor lady yeah, I found myself just kind of thinking about the whole story and like how she got here. Because when we first show up, like it seems like they're pretty happy. They're doing okay. The kid is obviously happy. You know, she's mm -hmm. yeah. she's doing her best to give him the kind of life she believes he should have, which I think is really admirable for the child of rape, you know, who yeah. like it, that's a reminder of something that ripped everything in your life away from you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I just because she says the deal was she essentially she gives up everything. She raises him. They stay in this like like prison. I, it reminded me of Truman Show. You know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that and that was the deal. And I was like, well, what was the other option for her? You know, did she have another option? I guess she could have, you know, ended her life, which I don't think is. I know it's an option she probably considered because. That's what Beck or Butcher thought she did. But I just yeah. like what other option is there? And then when you think about these conversations we're having right now in the U.S., given, you know, the overturn of Roe versus Wade and like mm -hmm. what kind of rights you have to your own body. And it just shows you how um, having a baby just changes every single thing about your body and your life and everything, you know? Mm -hmm. What did you guys think? Okay, so there's that moment where you, you mentioned it, Jessica, where Homelander's kind of like having this sort of honest moment with Ryan yeah. and saying, you know, telling him like, I didn't have a mom, I didn't have a dad. But then there's like that little, you know, caveat kind of thing at the end where he like turns that around into a really weird kind of spin. And mm -hmm. it's like, the sort of delusional honesty kind of thing. <laughs> and like, I just I don't know if that's intentional, like if Homelander's like telling him this story, like like if he's actually having sort of a vulnerable moment with his son and like wants to open up or he's it's like 
super calculated <laughs> and he's like fake bonding with him you know yeah. which it's like i kind of think he is yeah. I think delusional honesty is a really good way to put it. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, I, I I do think it's both because I think he wants a legitimate connection with Ryan. I think he mm -hmm. wants, he's like, this is my only real family. This is, you know, I have a chance to know what love feels like for the first time in my life. Like, I think he really is trying to reach out, but at the same time, he is so warped and so broken. He cannot, he can't breathe without manipulating and controlling. Yeah. So I, I don't, and I'm not saying, oh, he, excuse him. He's, he can't help it. That's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. But I just, I think his nature is so controlling and so manipulative that he's doing both at the same time. But I do think he wants a real connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if he completely understands what that is, you mm. know? And I think, you know, both of those things can be true at the same time. He can be an awful murdering person and still a person who has been hurt a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and I think kind of the opposite of what we see with the deep who has grown up with this like huge amount of shame over his body. Mm -hmm. Like we see like he grew up in a family like he's Kevin Moskowitz is his name. I'm assuming he went to high school or something, you know. And so the damage that that shame has done living in the world that can be really cruel versus the damage not having any kind of connection to the world in a real way does. I think it's really interesting when you compare these two characters. Um, I also think like, I don't know, we've got this, this person at work whose name I will not reveal, but like, we always talk about like how this person is like dead behind the eyes. Oh. And like, we think she, <laughs> we think she might be a psychopath. She's never done anything <laughs> violent or anything, but we're like, uh, those emotions don't feel real to us, you know? Mm. And that's kind of the sense I get from Homelander is like, I don't know if he really knows the difference between being manipulative and yeah. trying to mm -hmm. actually make an honest connection. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. if he understands that there is a difference because he's never yeah. experienced that. But I do think it's really interesting to see him see somebody who he, I think he thinks can finally understand him, like out of everyone in the entire world this one person might actually understand how he feels. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something he's never had. And I think that's a big part of why he is the way he is because he is so unique. But I mean, man, the speech is like, like he's telling this like eight, nine year old kid that they're gods. They can do anything they oh, want. You, you know that there's a part of him too. That's like, Oh hell yeah. Uh -huh. I made the first soup. Yeah human hybrid of course mm -hmm. you know like yeah i am a god like mm -hmm. yes i might have been manufactured but this kid's not and that's my son mm -hmm. <laughs> yes you know so it's like there's there has to be that um motivation for him to be like i'm gonna make the first you know hybrid i guess that's like i don't know what you call them but that's no, maybe that's, that's not good. the right yeah. word yeah. but like you know this hybrid kid and then you know, have this great relationship and it's just going to make him even more special. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so interesting, like when Ryan's not good at playing baseball and yeah. he's like how disappointed <laughs> Homelander is, like he's kind of ashamed, like his son isn't good enough for him. Mm -hmm. Like part of it is, oh, he's not special enough. He can't fully understand me, but also he reflects poorly on me. Like I'm like, ob obviously, 
Homelander is very Aryan coded. Like he's very like, you know, I am the master race. I am the master. Like I am a God. I am the greatest specimen of humanity. Mm -hmm. My son cannot be any less than that either. So it's really interesting seeing him trying to like lift Ryan up to his level, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and be disappointed when he falls short in his eyes and the, the tension there. Like, again, it feels like he's trying to have a real connection with someone who might understand him. And at the same time, looking down on him as like mm-hmm. oh you're just another human and mm-hmm, it's yeah. a really frightening dynamic it's there's sadness but it's also really terrifying yeah. and like this poor kid like this guy literally just shows up on his front yard yeah and then like right. he's, you know and like when he's like leaving the room and he's like i love you son oh like, yeah say you know yeah. like you can no, say, you it back. say it back it's like, <laughs> it's like dude i don't know you <laughs> yeah well and there's this so element of like becca Because you can tell that he does not think Becca is doing the right thing. Like he has not, Becca has not told him who he is, what he can do, is raising him to be like the anti-Homelander. And so there's like kind of thinking back to the old Mr. Vought guy whose name I can't remember from season one who told him about Becca and Ryan. Like this thinking of like Homelander is a failure and we are not going to fail in the same way with Ryan. And I think that's probably like lurking in the back of his head. And so this mm-hmm. conversation is like, no, they didn't fuck me up. I'm awesome, you know, and yeah. you mm-hmm. can be awesome too. And I'm going to teach you how to be awesome. But- yeah. Well, and like, you know, it just shows he's not putting Ryan's best interest at mm-hmm. heart because it's like what Ryan means in the bigger, you know, world perspective and worldview is it's monumental and like that could reveal a lot about compound v that could mean Mm -hmm. so much on a like it would instantly thrust him into like some incredible spotlight and but homelander isn't even considering that you know because he's more thinking about like what it would mean for him Mm -hmm. and you know but not this child who is like totally unprepared to absorb that kind of sudden like being placed into fame basically like but he doesn't care homelander is not even considering that yeah because it's about him you know yeah Mm -hmm. i do want to give a shout out to um cravati cameron cravati or nicholas cravati it's one of the cravati twins who plays ryan who i think is a Mm -hmm. great uh actor there are two twins Mm -hmm. and they were in good night mommy which was not that great but they were great in it um (laughs) but i think you know it's hard to be a good child actor and play a lot of these kind of complex uh, mm-hmm. roles. And I think he does a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. I, I always have to mention Ashley. I fucking love her so much. She's one of my favorites. <laughs> Jessica, you are nodding along. Do you love Ashley too? <laughs> I am obsessed with Ashley. I, Colby, Colby Minifee uh-huh. is one of my mm-hmm. favorite people on the planet. Um, ever since, in Jessica Jones, when she was like, what are you, a professor of Kilgraveism? I have been <laughs> obsessed with her. Her line deliveries are stellar. She's so funny. She's so mm-hmm. she's such a good actress. She she always steals scenes for me. Mm-hmm. So I Ashley is my favorite. I also really like her style. I want her wardrobe. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I just I absolutely love Ashley. Yeah. It's just like been interesting to watch her because like, I mean, we have her. In kind of the 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 baddies care you know column right now. Oh yeah, but it's mm-hmm. like more than anything, it's like I just kind of pity her at this moment. Yeah. Like oh, she's yeah. at a really tough position because 
she's in this position of power and yet has no power. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, and it's interesting to see what she can like say and get away with. Like we see her in front of, you know, the women here. She is able to kind of assert, at least speak her mind a little bit more freely, mm-hmm. I think, in these kind of situations versus when she's in front of like Homelander. It's just a completely different dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I just, I hope at some point we get to see Ashley get her groove back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And she, it, it, maybe we can take this moment to kind of talk about the whole girl power esque element of this episode, um, mm-hmm. which I think is so interesting. And we're going to talk about all three of the girls who get shit done um, on their own, but she is so into this girl power moment. She is like, pushing it so hard and i think it's kind of like with the citizen starlight thing it is just so contrived and packaged and i think that's what we see them kind of bristle against like yeah it is great to celebrate three women in the seven that's an accomplishment that's a great thing it shouldn't it shouldn't be an accomplishment because you know there are seven of them and how long should it take but um but it still is you know and it is um something i think worth talking about but at the same time you know girls are humans and and like i always i don't know i was thinking about the whole thing of girl dads recently and trying to figure out Mm. why that bugs me so much you know and i was like well if i flipped it is there such a thing as boy moms you know oh there is oh yes oh yes. oh really oh Oh, yeah yeah. oh i've i see it on you know bumper stickers Mm -hmm. like boy mom like oh it's Okay. The reverse is true. All yeah. right. Well, I don't feel so bad about it being a girl dad thing because girl dad just bugs me. But anyways, like mm-hmm. we wouldn't be celebrating three men in the seven, you know, because we wouldn't have to, you know, that's mm-hmm. anyways, I'm talking it's, a lot about this. it's something. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's something I think about a lot because like when I interview, you know, either like female creators or creators that are, you know, from a, a you know a global majority but some you know people that don't get as many options as other people and like there's a lot of the times it's like I because I genuinely think it's important to discuss their experiences and experiences that they come from and their experiences in whatever industry they're in and like I think those stories are important to tell or how they've seen the industry change in what ways or ideas that they have on how it can change more and become more you know inclusive but at the same time it's like I'm sure they get asked about this stuff all the time. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's it, it's like when somebody's married to another famous person and they're like, yeah, like, uh, yes, I'm married to her, but like that doesn't make me, you know, or whatever. It's like, I don't, mm-hmm. you don't have to bring that up every time. Right, there are other know? parts of my life. Well, doing yeah. things mm-hmm. on my own mm-hmm. or, you know, just because he's super talented doesn't mean I'm not super talented too or I'm getting all my help and ideas from him, you right. know, yeah. that kind of stuff. And, but uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's important to have those conversations but at some point it's like when is it just normalized it's like well when they talk about the pockets like that's a perfect example right like Mm -hmm. when are there just pockets yeah you don't have to like think about putting them in they're just there (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that's just like makes sense and that's practical and that's just what's done Mm -hmm. and yeah I don't know I don't know if you guys have similar feelings on it but I love how they uh, kind of address it 
here in a kind of a funny way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think for, you know, for those of us, I mean, we've all, you know, conducted interviews and talked to people and um, seeing the junket where they're rolling their eyes at the people. Yeah. So it's, why are female superheroes so much better than men? Like the same question from the same people in the same cadence and they're answering the same thing over and over. Like I'm with you, Rachel. Like I, I, Sometimes I feel bad because I know creators, they're like, can I just talk about my movie and not talk about yeah. my gender? Can I not, right. I don't, you know, I, can we just talk about the work? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you want to talk about, you know, this is the reality of the world right now. Can you tell me about your experiences? You know, because it is good to talk about those things, but there's a tension there between those two things. And I know, you know, that kind of hit home to me, like, oh God, am I one of those junket people? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, and, you know, how many, how long has that meme been around when women are like, I have a new dress. It has pockets. Like the, mm -hmm. we, we're still excited about the same trivial things that aren't as trivial as they seem because mm -hmm, there's yeah. a lot more nuance and depth behind it when you dig into it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And seeing, I really like the visual distinction between Stormfront and Starlight because you've got this, yeah. basically you've got a Barbie, you've got this blonde beautiful woman not this you know stormfront's not beautiful aya cash is beautiful but mm -hmm. you know the way they're presented you've got this you know taller blonde like more scantily clad really light colors and really like sparkly like she looks like a toy for little girls mm -hmm. and then you've got someone in this this dark cape with the dark hair and the side shape and kind of a punk um affectation mm -hmm. um and i think it's really interesting the way they play with appearance because we talked about the deep versus homelander with this you know this blonde god versus you know dark hair the gills that could be seen as monstrous certainly the deep sees them as monstrous and dealing with like body image even with these all-powerful people and add gender into it and we've got these two contrasting women i just i think it's really really interesting the way they dig into the way they both have to perform because they're both putting on performances starlight and stormfront mm -hmm. um and just the way they have kind of carved out ways to survive to me this show is all about survival like yeah what do you do to survive how do you find the role that people will accept you in mm -hmm. to accomplish as much as you as much as they'll let you and yeah. just watching them play those roles up against each other is really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it's like, what kind of privilege do you have? Because Starlight has not mm. been around for that long. But also, like, her looks do give her a certain amount of... It's like what we we're talking about with The Deep, you know? Like, mm -hmm. when you look a certain way, you can get a, you can get away with a lot more things, unfortunately. um, I kind of, like died a little bit because I had recently asked in a Losers Club episode, I had asked one of our female co-hosts, like, can girls be bad boys? You know, and, you know, it was kind of just a like a winking question. But still, mm -hmm. like, I think you're right. Like, I, I do want to talk about that and to, not to bring Barbie up again. But like, I think one of the most powerful parts of that movie is like, when you actually say the thing out loud, it makes a big difference. And it goes yeah. further, you know, because somebody hears you say it. and. But I also understand at the same point, like, it starts to dehumanize you when that is the only thing you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see Stormfront hold up a miniature version of herself, you know, and just how fucked up that would be to, like, have not only, like, your 
it's like there's a dark haired woman, there's a blonde woman, and there's a redheaded woman. So they mm-hmm. all have their lanes and they're archetypal anyways in their styling because they are not supposed to be humans. They are supposed to be superhuman. And to mm-hmm, add yeah. gender and performative femininity into that mix is just really interesting. And there is one thing I really like about this episode is there, I don't feel like we're coming away with an answer because it's not solved there isn't an answer it's just to keep talking about it and to keep kind of stripping away the levels of artifice and the levels mm-hmm. of performing performity and just kind of you know keep going from there and i think this episode does a really interesting job of that you know mm-hmm. yeah um and i do want to talk about uh, starlight and stormfront down a little, little later in the episode but i also think you know, and Jessica, I don't know if you would agree with me. And I'm not going to say anything that's going to spoil her, but knowing what, <laughs> knowing where, where some of this is going to go, I think is really interesting to kind of dig into this genesis of, of Stormfront joining the seven, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about somebody else who's back. A-Train, surprise! <laughs> Rachel, did you expect A-Train to be back so soon? I did not expect him to be back so soon. Did you and expect like, him to be back at all? Yeah, I did. Because, I mean, I felt like he'd be back in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was going to, like, just jump right back into the seven. <laughs> you know, like, uh-huh. here I am. And um, I, it's funny. I've been kind of, like, teetering with A-Train. Like, do I like him? Do I not like him? Yeah. I don't really know. And I feel like between where we left him and you know kind of at the end of season one and here it's like oh i don't i don't like him right now like he kind of sucks right now (laughs) like he is angry and bitter and just like you know not that he doesn't you know clearly like we've learned like he has his own reasons but he's i feel like he's giving into them and like letting that anger kind of take him over and not really a fan right now of Adrian. Yeah. Jessica, how do you feel about him in this episode and just kind of in general? Um, I, again, I'm all about these interesting character dynamics, like A-Train thinking that he has all the power in his mm-hmm. relationship with Starlight. Like he holds the ace. He's like, he, he's enjoying toying with her. And then I don't know if you want to wait to talk about it, but at the end of the episode, so there's a big role reversal. It's a really mm-hmm. interesting moment um, where I think Starlight kind of takes some of Stormfront's advice to heart and kind of uses it to empower herself. And and I think there's a lot of grudging respect from A-Train. At the very end, he's kind of like, okay, okay, I misjudged you. I, d- I didn't know you had all that going on mm-hmm. um, right before he leaves. Um, so I like every other character on this show i see all of the things that a train has suffered through like all of the you know i and i hate myself for having sympathy for people i want to hate there are a lot of people on this show i want to hate yeah but i yeah i just but they're just they're so messy and complicated everybody on the planet has done bad things has done things they regret we have not done things as bad as some of these people that's for sure Mm -hmm. but um i just really like seeing him the the dynamics of power like he's up and down just like uh, almost everybody else he feels completely powerless you know when he his health was failing him he couldn't run um and now 
he's, you know, Starlight is the golden girl and he's got everything that he needs to ruin her and he can mm-hmm. just kind of toy with her. Um, I did not, I did not have fun watching him toy with her, but I was fascinated. Yeah. Like just all the ways that I, 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 not to be essentialist about it, but just the implications of gender violence really resonate with me, particularly as a woman. I, I hate to be mm-hmm. so like, I feel like I'm being very basic about it, but oh, no, no, um, no. it just, it always kind of hits me emotionally. Mm-hmm. But so I, if you ask, there are very few characters on the show that if you say, do you like this character? I'm going to give you a 10 minute answer and not answer your question at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point of this podcast to yes be yep. so, yeah. <laughs> i it was so you talked about that kind of that final scene where they're going back and forth about the v and like who can mm-hmm. you know out who or whatever and i thought it was like it's so interesting because i think the reason why starlight kind of walks away the victor in the you know war of words is because like a train cares so much about how he's viewed right mm-hmm. like he's like you know i get it like his physical issues like he doesn't want that to kind of get out and he's like really worried about how he's perceived in the world and like i totally understand that but it's like i think starlight you know if he went out and told her and her career was over and she, like she'd be like whatever mm-hmm. yeah like i'm good she might like, actually she, i feel like she, it. yeah he could walk away feeling like well now that's over yeah whatever you know but he can't and like that's kind of why she won that conversation because he can't risk her actually you know talking about popclaw and like actually revealing his his dark deeds where it's like she doesn't really care if he if people find out about hers Mm -hmm. well the irony is he could have walked away and been okay it, with Popclaw, you know? But yeah, he didn't he, have to do it. Exactly. Well, and it's like he, and I think that's kind of where he's like, I. they, both of these characters feel like they have nothing left to lose at this point. It's like they're both at such a low place in where the, the amount of power, I think that they feel that they're willing to just put it all out on the field because like he has already given up so much to stay where he is that like, what's one more thing, you know, what's one mm-hmm. more, one more partner, you know? And I think I always think about a train. He's one of my, uh, again, like you, Jessica, I hesitate to say he's one of my favorites, but I'm so fascinated with him because there's this element of addiction with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that really drives a lot of what he does. Um, and so for him to hold this substance in his hand, and know that he could just, I mean, he could be out of there and shooting up with it before she would even know because he's so mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. And so just, I don't know, it's just, I think it's interesting. And I wonder if that kind of puts him on his heels just a little bit too, because he's got this thing that, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he was like still addicted to this. Um, But yeah, I, I find myself really interesting, interested in these characters and I really just want them to be friends <laughs> and like, stop <laughs> arguing, you know, yeah. because I think they, they have a lot in common or they're, they're un, like, we've talked about this a lot. I think that Starlight and Deep and A-Train are all, and Huey are all in like similar phases of the same journey. You know, they're kind of on different pages of the same book, you know, and I don't know. I just think they're, I love this scene with the two of them because I agree. I think there is kind of a, a begrudging respect 
between the two of them. And there's also like, I think Starlight genuinely like did not want him to die and does yeah. care about mm-hmm. him and probably mm-hmm. what knowing her, she probably was praying for him, you know, mm-hmm. even yeah. though he could get her killed. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, a train. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, unless if there's, let's move over to our spice girls. There's, um, there's one, a character that we're probably going to talk about that maybe crosses that line. And I'm not exactly sure where to put him, but um, I've got him, I think in shock and awe and we might get to him in a little bit. Um, You know what? Fuck it. Let's just go for it. Um, It's Kimiko's brother. Wasn't sure if I should put him in the heroes or the villains category here, but I want to talk about maybe him and Kimiko because this is a big episode for Kimiko. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the moment where they hug. Cause it's just one of those, oh fuck, oh this yeah. show, oh you know, it's just a great moment. Um, so you know, thoughts on Kamiko, and then we find out what has happened with them. We see this really sweet moment where she embraces her little brother. I think I had thought that he was older than her. Um, we hear that the only reason he got compound V was because they knew it worked on her. And so, Mm. you know, it's not her fault, but I could see her feeling responsible. Also, she believes she was supposed to look out for her little brother and she's still trying to look out for him. And is this the first time we've seen her actually speaking in sign language? Yeah, I I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. I was trying to remember, but. At le- well, at least in a way where somebody else understands, like right, she right. might have been trendy, yeah. but, you know, Frenchie doesn't understand. So he doesn't understand what she's trying to say. Yeah. So that communication is failing. Um, but here it's like the first it's like, oh, she can speak. Just yeah. not, she's very you smart, know, unfortunately, yeah. in a way where, you know, that Frenchie and the boys can understand her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is capable. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's really interesting that she obviously she can can communicate and she's you know very smart she's a planner she's very um i not not calculating in a manipulative way necessarily but always kind of looking several steps ahead but the mm-hmm. fact that she is voiceless like she's so powerful but she's been rendered voiceless and that dynamic with these people who don't understand her and um, how that fits in with the other women in the series. Um, I always found that really fascinating. And I, and just the idea of a superhero as being this protector. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, I'm a monster now. They turn me into a monster, but yeah. she still thinks it's her job to protect him. Like, that's so heartbreaking to me as, you know, anybody with siblings, I think, mm-hmm. well, I, I I hate generalizing like that. A lot of people with siblings can probably relate to that feeling where you, there's this extra sense of, no, this person is my responsibility. I will do anything to protect them. And then when they have conflict and start fighting, it's, it's such a good scene, but it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing kind of their uh, philosophical differences on you know who to join forces with who is trying to do good in this world and who is not um again good guys versus bad guys and nobody can agree on who's who it's just it's it's so i hate to be like this is such a fascinating show but it is (laughs) like exploring Mm -hmm. all the tensions here Uh um between like our catchphrase (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just i the just that and it's such a fast journey like there where we don't get a lot of time yeah. between that hug and the end of the episode and but we get such a world of their relationship 
and who they've become as people separate from one another, but who they are together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I just think yeah. it's a really beautiful, like, sibling portrait that we get in just in a really brief amount of time. Yeah. And also just like what her brother, I mean, because he is the super terrorist. And so it's like, yeah. I like, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen because it's, you know, Butch made this deal. Yeah. That depends on him. But clearly we see it's like, oh, wait no like she's one of us so he's kind of like by default one of us like that mm-hmm. isn't gonna work but the but the stakes are so high for that deal mm-hmm. it's like oh i don't know like i don't know what's gonna happen because also he has his own agenda and that might not line up with the boys and like their kind of agenda like he might not want to hang out with them at the it sure seems like he doesn't really want to he <laughs> wants to go on his own kind of mission and yeah poor Kamika and like I don't think Kamika it felt like anyways like she wasn't expecting that and so uh-huh. to like hear that and suddenly realize like oh shit like I don't know what's going to happen with you and, and I'm you know scared that I'm not going to be able to help you and that's mm-hmm. terrifying mm-hmm. yeah well and she's you know in a position where she's having to choose between two different families you know there's the because mm-hmm. I want to talk about Butcher in a minute um, but like I think I forget how powerful she is until she does yeah. something like just rip somebody's head off. <laughs> yeah. And I always just really love it. But she just seems so like, it's probably because she is so quiet and she doesn't talk. And so you just forget how powerful she is. Um, and then to see her brother kind of use that power against her, I think it really breaks my heart. But then like, I don't know, if I were to play this out in a perfect world, like, if they did take him to the authorities and say, well, yes, he is a super terrorist, but he was given like this is how he became a super terrorist and that would shed light on everything. But the thing is, people don't give you time to listen to everything. Mm-hmm. They just make that snap judgment and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you look different. You've got scary powers. You know, I'm going to kill you. And that's something mm-hmm. I think the show will explore down the road also. But yeah, like I want to. OK, maybe we can transition into talking about Butcher a little bit. Sure. because. He fucking tries to shoot him and i was like butcher no you know <laughs> i well, mean like clearly like they're hugging and having this moment like clearly like, this is not <laughs> like okay wait something's going on here like he doesn't even exactly he's so focused on his own as we've seen before right? yeah like, i mean I, i'm not really surprised you know but yeah like what's gonna serve butcher's end goal yeah and like yeah the fact that he's not even like curious he's just like i don't care i just <laughs> you know want to find becca right like i don't care what he doesn't care what it takes clearly well and i think also what we were talking about with becca too like it would be easy to see this house she's living in this she doesn't work she's got everything provided for her like to say well she's okay you don't need to go get her but like to think about what like her hell is right now especially now that homelander is back in the picture like Mm -hmm. i do think that that puts the the you know, I think that raises the stakes for Butcher. And I think the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, well, Butcher's going to be mad at her. You know, why would he want mm. to be back together? And it's again, because I think I just like, was like, oh, Homelander said it this way. It's fine. And I just wanted to watch the pretty people fight and have powers. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. So I understand where Butcher's coming from. But again, like, he's so myopic and he is just willing to sell everybody out. For the one yeah. thing that he wants. And I mean, when I say wants, 
it's to save the love of his life. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a little more than a want, you know? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not quite like wanting ice cream or something, but <laughs> it also like he it's that short sightedness, I think, that is what gets him in trouble so much too. You know, it's like there there's another way. And we hear MM say she's one of us. So we're not gonna just cut her out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, that, honestly that's one of my favorite things about Butcher that he is this he is such a good anti-hero and such mm-hmm. like he's such a like a bull in a china shop but he's the, the motives seem so pure like like you say he's trying to save the love of his life like saving Becca from this absolute torture seems like yeah let's rally behind butcher let's get this accomplished but then the things that he's willing to do or the people he's willing to sacrifice to get that done and i just he he is by far my favorite character it's not just because i adore carl urban Mm -hmm. i do but i just i love a good anti-hero i love a bastard that i can love you know Mm -hmm. like um but i i think his uh his myopia his single-mindedness plays so well against the other people who have a better handle on juggling the needs of the many and Mm -hmm. saying okay this is what's good for us as a group this is what is good for the world this is and again it's all about these tensions and these conflicts and seeing his drive to save becca going up against all the other things that they're trying to accomplish i i really love that that is such a driving force in the show because i'm completely on both of their sides and like feeling that tension within myself is such a an enjoyable part of the show for me mm-hmm. but yeah i i'm <laughs> i'm not gonna say i'm never gonna criticize butcher for anything but no. i just i'm i'm always like i'm always there for butcher you know, not just because of the one-liners, not just because he's an amazing actor, <laughs> but I, I just, I love me a good anti-hero and he's so good at it. He's so mm. good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm thinking about kind of his like scene with Huey and maybe this can lead us into Huey mm-hmm. a little bit, but like he, the moment where he just kind of lays it all out and he like really kind of drops the act that this tough guy act and that Colin, you got a big case of vagina, you know, <laughs> um, he, it, it's such a touching scene. Cause we don't see that from him ever, mm-hmm. you know? And I think you can see it on their faces. They don't see that ever either. And I think it does go a long way into explaining why he was about to maybe shoot and kill Kamiko. You know, what if he, he missed, you know? And I think that's that's the problem, and that's that's why I get so frustrated. And I agree, I love Butcher as well, but I get so frustrated with him because how, if you are Huey, how do you get on board for helping him, knowing that he would kill you if he had to, to help Becca? You know, like how mm-hmm. can you support him in that, even though you know it's the right thing to do? You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's something the show is always really playing with that I think is really interesting. It's why nobody wants to work with him, mm-hmm. but they always end up doing it because he is, he does want good things for the world. It's just the yeah. way he gets there is always just, he's like 
I don't know. He's like a Brillo pad, you know, it's like he's going <laughs> to scrape you as much as he possibly can, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and there's like, I feel like there's this issue of trust that's like mm-hmm. simmering, you know, within the boys. It's like just who trusts who implicitly. And it's like if Butcher actually just placed more trust in the others and told them the story from the beginning, they'd probably support him and be mm-hmm. like, all right, because we see that and same thing. It's like, I think that's why we see Huey so angry here is just because at the same time, like he's not able to trust Butcher. And, you know, Butcher is, that's not, you know, without, un, you know, it's not unwarranted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I think that like Frenchie and MM have just known him longer. So they seem to trust him more, but Huey's not quite there. So there's like this weird dynamic of just trusting. And then we see how the three of them, Huey, MM and Frenchie trust Kamiko. So they're like, no, we're with her. So that kind of puts Butcher. So it's just kind of mm-hmm. these weird shifts and like who you know, it trusts who and they just all need to trust each other (laughs) and they would be so much stronger for it. They're just Mm -hmm. not quite there yet. And it's kind of interesting seeing all those relationships develop and the issues that are happening just because they're not all kind of being honest with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were like, if he hadn't told them about Becca, like it looks like they were just going to let him go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, I would do the same thing. Um, and I think when I look at Huey and Huey and Butcher's relationship, it's so interesting. And I got really mad that he punched Huey. I love Huey. He oh. is mm-hmm. one of my favorites, uh, at least as far as the boys. But I think M.M. and Frenchie, because they have known Butcher longer, they know how to trust but protect. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. They keep they tr- they they know where their boundaries should be with him, and I think Huey mm-hmm. is still kind of exploring that. Also, they have other things. They may not be able to get to them yet, but like it's like we were saying with Starlight. Like if they had to walk away from the boys, they have other things, and Huey mm-hmm. Huey's got nothing, you know. So this yeah. is this is all he has, and I think he's right. looking at himself as like becoming Butcher in some ways because they've got like Robin and Becca. They have a lot of shared history. Um, or similar history and I think he's so it's kind of like I don't know if this quite works but like when we're thinking about raising Homelander versus raising Ryan you know like what is the way that how do we build a a better butcher you know like how do we help this character fight for what he wants and do the hard things when he needs to and um make the big moves and have that big confidence, but also care about the people around him. And I think it's just a, it's a tension. I think that I love to watch him and Huey together. I, I think that's where, he, you know, cause we see Huey kind of like trying to step into a leadership role, mm-hmm. but kind of like failing a little bit and, you know, MM and Frenchie are like, yeah, whatever dude. And I think ultimately it comes down to like, like Butcher is not afraid to make the tough choices. Mm-hmm. Like you might not always agree with them, but he's not afraid to make those choices. And I don't think Huey's there yet. Yeah. Like he may say it is, but when it comes down into the moment, like he's proven to not be able to make the really hard choices, which is not a bad thing. It's just where, what they're trying to achieve is potentially going to require some of those. And, and yeah, Huey was, it's like, he just, I, it seems like he's, he wants accountability from Butcher so bad. Like Mm -hmm. he wants Butcher to, 
admit and give them all these details and like come back with a bit of humility in some sense but of course that like that's not butcher's not style bad. like he doesn't he doesn't do that and and he's refusing to let him get away with it rather than just kind of like trusting he had his reasons mm-hmm. <laughs> which i think mm and french you're like whatever dude okay you're here now let's move forward you know yeah. like they probably understand that and mm-hmm. i don't yeah it's not it's not a good look for either of them i don't think butcher <laughs> should have punched huey i think huey was being a little kind of not you know i don't know being difficult yeah. but it's like he punched him to like put him in his place it felt very like i don't know big brother yeah <laughs> little yeah. brother mm-hmm. or like father and so like it felt that that felt very strange it was like i don't know that I didn't like that either but yeah they've got some issues they need to figure out <laughs> yeah one of my favorite things about huey is that like he's still kind of stuck with one foot in each world like he came from just yeah. i'm a normal guy i'm standing yeah. on a curb talking to my girlfriend and then he can't quite leave that life behind he can't kind of i'm not saying he should like shed all morality or anything but like right. he's kind of stuck between i'm just a normal dude and my girlfriend died and oh, I'm one of the boys. Like he's Mm -hmm. the tension of like not knowing who he is as a person or not knowing what his life is now and or not being able to accept it maybe. Like he keeps thinking or he might be able to just go back to a normal life where he just listens to Billy Joel all the time. And like- But he he doesn't have that choice though. I know. I think is like making him so mad. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he can't even leave. Like if he could leave, if for some reason they got away with everything and they weren't wanted, like honestly, he he would leave. Like, mm-hmm. but he can't and so it's like he can't even go back to his own life so he's stuck here and he can't even succeed like yeah it's yeah I, that's poor guy yeah <laughs> well and when i look at like butcher's reaction to him like i think about everything that butcher has been through like how many years was it not knowing mm-hmm. what happened to becca yeah. um and then finding out and i it's like when i see his reaction to huey it feels bigger than like a reasonable reaction, even from Butcher. Like, because Huey, yes, Huey did tackle him, but like, like he, he's not the only reason that they got away, you know. And I think, I think that's like he's channeling all of his fear and his like hurt and pain at what and like this terror that he's not going to be able to save Becca and like this confusion that this thing has been happening this whole time like this all of these emotions that like everything he thought about this tragedy that had happened was actually better but also worse you know and I think he's just kind of shoving all of that at Huey and because Huey is the one who is like making him confront his feelings and making him and you know we saw that in a couple of episodes before is like Huey is the one because he's had to process this too he's like no it really does get better when you start talking about it you know um and so I think you know as we said like Butcher like Huey is becoming Butcher I think Butcher is becoming Huey in a lot of ways too you know Mm -hmm. or he they both know that they want to but also don't so it's it's I don't know. I, I think. Yeah, I got really mad at Butcher when he punched Huey, but I also mm-hmm. understand it, you mm-hmm. know, it's a very butcher move. It is a oh, very yeah. butcher move. Yeah, <laughs> I was more I called him a fucker in my notes when he tried to <laughs> shoot uh, Kamiko's brother because that mm-hmm. was bullshit. Like, I, mm-hmm. I understand. I understand. But like, 
She's one. But it's also back to that thing that like he does not trust any soups. You know, he I think he's still not totally on board with Kamiko, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's also been gone. Like he hasn't been in the the like dirty basement all that time (laughs) with him either. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's move on. We've already talked about. Is there anything we want to talk about, Becca? I think we've already talked quite a bit about her just when we were talking about Homelander. I want to give the actress another shout out because she's great in this episode. Yeah. Let's move on. Since we're talking about Homelander, there's not a whole. I'm sorry. Since we're talking about Butcher, not a whole lot to say about Grace Mallory. But just wanted to to bring her up because we do see her again. Um, yeah. So, you know, anything we want to say about Grace, Miss Grace Mallory? She's sticking to her guns. Yeah. You know, like she's not letting. You know, she's seen this world and she's made the conscious choice to like step away from it, and she's not going to take the decision lightly to go back into it. Mm. I think that's. You know, no matter what Butcher's saying, she's like, dude, I'm out. Like, yeah, you're on your own. And then, I mean, ultimately, she says that, you know, she'll help him in some capacity. But yeah, I just she's she's been through a lot. You can feel it. And she's not going to make any of these rash decisions anymore. Like yeah. she's thinking things through. Mm-hmm. And I just want to shout out Layla Robbins as well, because mm-hmm. I I have never seen her in anything where I wasn't like, who is that? Like I, mm-hmm. she is such a fascinating actress to me, and I, I was so excited when she showed up in the show, and I think she brings a lot of, like, there are just hidden depths to Grace Mallory that mm-hmm. I, I'm always wanting to know more about her. Like she's got mm-hmm. this intelligence and this history that I, and and she creates these like backstories just the way she looks at the other performers and i'm just always so fascinated with her so i just want to talk about how much i love leila robbins so <laughs> oh, yeah. she's got this poise too that is so mm-hmm. fascinating and to know like to see her in this position of authority but also she's got this like elegance and we've had a couple of hints at why she doesn't want to work with Beck butcher anymore mm-hmm. but we still don't know and you know, we've seen Butcher pull a lot of people back in against their better judgment. And mm-hmm. so I do, I do think it's interesting. She's also older and I think she's been through a lot of this shit before. And she's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're not going to get me again. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to see more of Grace Mallory. Um, but yeah, I agree. She, she is like black noir. Every time she shows up, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, what more? Mm-hmm. which speaking of black noir, we don't get him in this episode. Hate it. Not even a glimpse. Not even a glimpse. Not even like. Yeah. Um. I want to. I. We've already talked about Ryan. Is there anything we want to say about Ryan before we move on to the main event? Not poor kid. I know. (laughs) Poor kid. (laughs) Yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk about our three ladies who get shit done. Um, let's talk about one we haven't mentioned yet. Let's talk about Maeve, because this is a big episode for Maeve. Not only do we see her secret identity, I think this might be the yeah. first time we've seen it. I was thinking about you, Rachel. I was like, mm-hmm. we see it. We also see Starlight's apartment. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I was like, she's cute. Um, what do we think about uh, Maeve in this episode? I love when she kind of haltingly tells elena 
okay, this is who Homelander really is. Uh This is why I'm so scared. This is, this is more of the truth about me. Um, I, again, this is such a scary show. Like it's not a horror show, but it's a Mm -hmm. terrifying show. Just um, so many people being under Homelander's thumb and being terrified of him and the power that he wields and how much love she has for Elena and um, all the, secrets that she has to keep to try to protect people and how keeping secrets to protect people can make them hate you mm-hmm. and you know how you know letting somebody hate you can be an act of love sometimes yeah, yeah. is a really you, interesting thing did you believe that story i mean i not i believe the story but do you believe that like her telling elena that is that really why she can't be with elena like i don't believe that i think she's scared to come out Mm. publicly not you know maybe yeah. it's not even like for her own reasons mm-hmm. like personally but like with Vought like Vought will let her like more like and she just doesn't feel like explaining that to Elena like I can't do it for my job you talking not, about kind of like a train pop claw kind mm, of vibe yeah mm-hmm. not like I'm scared of what Homelander will do to you mm-hmm. it, I think it's more business that's my theory that's that's fair i i think that both of those things can be happening at the same time I, I, but yeah, i think yeah, that's yeah. a i think that's an excellent point though that yeah, or, like, yeah maybe yeah. homelander won't let her you know maybe that's mm-hmm. part of it too like it's mm-hmm. not just bought but homelander will be like no we're you know we have this history we're the king and queen like you can't be gay right yeah. <laughs> like, right like like you're straight we were together right mm-hmm. what would that otherwise yeah. people would know it was fake <laughs> yeah and how does that reflect on me like it's like exactly. oh he's emasculated <laughs> because she left him mm-hmm. for a woman like the right. woman yeah, yeah. Th- mm-hmm. add that whole wrinkle into it yeah yeah um and not to derail us but i i want to know what you think about this with both starlight and mave i i don't know if this story is apocryphal or not but i've always heard this story about marilyn monroe that she's talking to a journalist and they're just out walking on the streets and nobody's paying attention to Marilyn Monroe at all and she turns to the journalist and says do you want to see me become her and the journalist is like yeah go for it and she just kind of becomes Marilyn Monroe movie star instead of you know Norma Jean regular woman Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden people start flocking to her and they're like oh my god Marilyn Marilyn I kept thinking about that when Maeve and Starlight were incognito Mm-hmm. Like the ways that they perform femininity for their jobs and the ways that they just are normal people when they're walking around, like nobody's paying any attention to them. They're obviously the same yeah. people, same yeah. face, same bone structure, but just adopting that persona and, you know, the physicality of it. I just kept thinking about that story when they were walking around, not being noticed at all. And what that yeah. says about like, appearance and femininity and celebrity and how we view other humans as we go about our lives i'm so sorry i feel like i've derailed the conversation oh, completely, no. but i just That's a good point like yeah. i just i was so fascinated that like these are beautiful women and like completely recognizable as these superheroes but they're just another person walking down the street they're not Marilyn Monroe they're not yeah Queen Maeve Paris you know Hilton. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like Clark Clint with his glasses on yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's what that's what I'm not like 100% sure if it's like something like I love that 
like read on that mm-hmm. or like I always kind of thought it was more just yeah like a Clark Kent like a funny like superhero thing like mm-hmm. oh yeah nobody can recognize Starlight <laughs> without you know the costume when clearly it's like she's the exact same right yeah. <laughs> you know she's just got her hair pulled back and now it's like oh I don't know she is she's just a normal woman yeah she's got a ponytail that's not Starlight yeah right <laughs> well and it's interesting to see Starlight with her two different uniforms too because she feels different you know she feels mm-hmm. like a different person and I think last we in the season finale, we talked about like you can kind of tell her mood and how she's how powerful she's feeling based on the uniform she's wearing. And I think that goes kind of a long way into this performance of femininity. I cannot believe I had not really thought too much about this. But then if we look at a character like Stormfront who is very much like stripping that performance away Mm -hmm. and she's still doing it. She's still giving them what she knows they want, but she's Mm -hmm. doing it with an eye roll, like a very visible eye roll. And she's telling all her followers like this sucks. And why don't we have pockets and, and starlights? Like I love her line about, you can see her whole uterus. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I mean, you look at that outfit and I'm like, half of her butt is hanging out. Like how, and she looks fantastic in it. And it is a gorgeous uniform and or costume. And, you know, if that's your thing, go for it. But yeah. just I think about how uncomfortable that must be on a daily basis mm-hmm. to have to wear that yep. to work, you know? Ugh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see these. They're kind of because Maeve, I don't think is styled very sexy. You know, she is. But she's the queen, exactly. right? Like she's like this. She's like above that. She's been a part of it for so long. Mm-hmm. Like she's the matriarch of the seven. Like right. You can't. And she's older. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to sex her up. Although I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm assuming she's had kind of the same costume the whole time. Probably similar. But, but I mean, I don't know. I wonder yeah. what her original costume was when she came in. Like, did she have a starlight costume? True. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think going back to Maeve and um, Elena. I think I think there's both. I think she is so terrified of being vulnerable, both mm. because she is literally in a dangerous situation and Homelander could easily kill her and anybody she loves, but also it is easier to just be Queen Maeve and play that role. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of like, I'm going to, it's easier to not be in a relationship with Elena because this hurts and this is scary. And so I'm going to say Homelander's going to kill you. And it's also Mm -hmm. like the other way around, too. I think it's just has been a very convenient avoidance strategy for a long time. And I think she Mm -hmm. sees someone like Starlight, who, you know, we have talked a lot about her being a change agent and really just showing what you can do and what you can be. And I think I wonder if she's thinking, like, am I actually happy hiding, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let's talk. Let's talk about Stormfront. I'm really, really curious to know what y'all think about her because she is just a fascinating character. Also, want to say for the record, I did love Pippi Longstocking when I was young. I did too. <laughs> Had that song in my head for the past couple of days. Yes. Um, what do we, uh, Jessica? What do you think about Stormfront? I think, um, at face value, a lot of the things that she says. I think a lot of people watching, especially a lot of women watching would be like, fuck yes. Like, yeah. don't, don't confuse nice for being good. Don't, you know, if somebody 
tries to stick a dick in your mouth that you won't don't want in there bite it off like mm-hmm. i i'm being very i'm trying to be very circumspect because i know things about stormfront that <laughs> yeah. not everybody knows mm-hmm. um so but i think you know she feels like such a breath of fresh air where she is she's criticizing vod like she's kind of you know she's kind of sticking it to the man even though she's working for the man you know like she's part of the team but she is saying things that starlight wishes she could say that a lot of people wish they could say um and she's getting good responses for it and that's that can feel so freeing Mm -hmm. when you see somebody like saying things you want to say and doing things you want to do and they're not getting punished for it when you've been raised your whole life to think no you're gonna get smacked down if you go against the grain if you try Mm -hmm. to point out these hypocrisies or you point out these double standards or if you just point out the bullshit in the world um so again like at face value i think it's such a it's just such a refreshing like god finally somebody said it and they're they're getting away with it maybe i can get away with it too it can be very liberating so Mm -hmm. i i kind of like the um the budding like what starlight wants there to be a budding kinship because she's like oh my god somebody gets it and i can talk to somebody um Mm -hmm. so i i like that dynamic and i like again anybody anytime they kind of throw a wrench in the works like just that little bit of extra conflict you know it's you've already got so many fascinating dynamics between all these different characters and then you throw stormfront in and this wholly different character it just it makes it um, just so much more interesting. Not that it wasn't interesting before, but um, so I really like, and I just love the montage with the the questions at the junket where uh-huh. Starlight is increasingly just cracking up because mm-hmm. she just can't take it anymore. I think that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think uh, Stormfront is a really really interesting addition to the show. I agree. I. She feels very, it's so funny because she's from Seattle, right? Or Portland, like Pacific Um, Northwest. And I think that's so interesting because she's very much channeling kind of like that riot girl like energy that like also came out of that area, you know, very Bikini Kill and Sleater Mm -hmm. Kinney, just that kind of like fuck the patriarchy (laughs) kind of movement that we saw that these like incredible women, like I love that. I mean, that's like part of my handle (laughs) because like I just, I love it so much. And, um, so I love that attitude that she's like not afraid to talk that way and she's not afraid to look this way and like say these things. I am very curious. I don't trust that attitude a hundred percent. Like it's a little like, why the hell would Vought choose somebody like this? Like that doesn't like I love her if like this is, you know, really happening. But like out of all the soups that they could have chosen, why would they choose that? That seems like a like a PR liability. Yeah. In some ways. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes against what we've seen from Vought and how they operate and the fact that it was like behind Homelander's back. It's like, okay, there's something else there that we I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And so that's like setting me kind of on edge. And I don't really appreciate her kind of assault shaming starlight because she knows like because it's public obviously what Mm -hmm. happened to her with the deep and so her saying like somebody sticks a dick in your face just bite it off and it's like okay well you know what like right yeah it's so dismissive like oh you let it happen no fuck that yes exactly yeah it's ivanka trump saying oh i would never let anybody treat me like Mm -hmm. that yeah so it's i i didn't really appreciate that aspect of her i don't want her 
attitude and her own strength to kind of dehumanize her and kind of blind her to like other people like you know yeah and their, mm-hmm. their relationships but maybe that's you know something that we're going to see her grow in I don't know or she's just going to keep that up but you know, yes that talk can be empowering but it can also be really dismissive and condescending at the same time yes. yeah so. very true And it can be a performance too, you know, I Mm -hmm. think there is like, I was thinking when we were talking about Butcher, was like, oh, I wonder if there's a little bit of a defensiveness in her give no fucks kind of attitude, you Mm. know? Yeah, I think not not to bring up Barbie again, but you know, (laughs) there are different ways of being a woman and it's like you're supposed to stand up to the patriarchy and you're supposed to be loud and you're supposed to not care if people like you, but nobody in the world gives absolutely no fucks if nobody likes you or if you do there's an issue there's an underlying issue there like Mm -hmm. it is i think that is just as much a performance of femininity it's just a different kind of femininity um and it does feel like a breath of fresh air and i wish i could like channel a little bit of that energy sometimes and i think jessica you mentioned i think that confrontation between starlight and a train i think she is taking Stormfront's advice when she stands mm-hmm. up to him she's like well I don't have to he I don't care if he likes me you know yeah mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of power in that but it's just it's interesting um I feel like that's always what I come back to it's just interesting to see this it, is, it is <laughs> it really is you know because <laughs> we are not all one thing and I think that the the greatest thing about this show is it presents as a package and then it just constantly tears away pieces of it and lets us see what's in actually inside um we also get to see her uh her little powers which you yeah. know oh yeah did a you little, notice her little uh, purple mm-hmm. lightning i always thought i would like to be Just able to control the weather yeah like i mm-hmm. remember i liked storm x and the x-men storm was my favorite i think mm-hmm. um because i was like Controlling the weather, there's so much you can do with that. Like, that's not just one thing. You're not just Cyclops with your, your laser eye. You could also you know? make it, like, rainy and foggy, you know, exactly. like, just, like, to be, like, cozy. <laughs> you know, like, you don't have to use it as a weapon. You could just make yeah. it, like, like spooky ambience. season all the time. Exactly. Yeah, we could make it snow. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, anything else we want to say about our three wonderful ladies? We haven't talked too much about Starlight, although I feel like she has been woven through everything, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Vots by Barbie, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, what is that? Five times I've said the word Barbie in this episode. Um, she also oh, texted, I assume she texted Huey, right? But we haven't oh, seen Huey text back. That's you know, so right. Don't, we don't know, like, what's happening there. I feel like they've been on kind of weird terms. Yeah, he put um, her on red. <laughs> <laughs> oh also i guess with starlight we see gecko right he comes up yes and uh-huh. kind of find like i didn't realize before that he was like being tested yeah. on which is like oh that's that's dark disturbing. Yeah. that's what they're yeah. using him for it's not like oh he just works in the lab it's like oh they're testing shampoos mm. like you're like a lab rat and that's right. so sad i mean it's sad when it's a rat let alone a human right. um and but just also kind of like clearly his opinion of her has changed like he's not helping her because he wants to he's helping her because she kind of put him in a bad position put him in a corner and he's you know she had to she burned that bridge and that's kind of sad to see her do that yeah yeah Yeah, that that little moment with gecko did make me really sad because i like Mm -hmm. him i think he means well and i think 
you know, I think that's the kind of long-term damage that we talk about with people like A-Train, you know, when Mm -hmm. you know that this company does not give a fuck about you Mm -hmm. um, and they're just keeping you around because you help them. Let's move into shock and awe. Is there anything we want to talk about in our good and evil, which is where we talk about overarching themes? I think we've kind of talked about a lot of the themes just through the characters, but anything we want to mention there? No, I feel like we like just weaved them in. With I think so too. Else, it's so, really yeah. hard as they start to weave in with each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to mention something with shock and awe that relates to a train to hear about how hard the needles were going into pop claws oh, arm yeah. was so it's like just, one of them chipped. Disgusting. Oh, <laughs> that was so it's just brutal. And I think, I think it's such a great performance from Jesse T Usher. Every time they mention pop claw, like you can see on his face, how, how much it hurts him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I think keeps me from really despising that character. I mean, there are quite a few things, but like you can just tell how much he's hurting, you know? Yeah. In a way that I think deep is not, you know, I think deep (laughs) is hurting, but it's a lot more self-inflicted. And I think, yes. Yeah. A train. Cause I think a train knows what it means to actually love someone you know and, and he feels yeah. guilt i don't think mm-hmm. deep actually feels guilt and is like he's not self-aware enough yet yeah like it's no. all it's like a selfish like you know just what has happened to him not you know he feels bad about what he's done to others whereas i yeah i do think a train clearly has got some like severe remorse about what he did yeah yeah, I know it's juvenile of me, but I it always makes me laugh that the deep is the shallowest person you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just, those feelings just don't penetrate. So, yeah. Nope. No. <laughs> and I think like we just see him in this episode just swimming in shame, you know, and it's like that's all there really is there for him and everything mm-hmm. else about him is to try to like push that shame away, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, okay, so we mentioned Gecko. Um, let's see. We talked about Kamiko's brother. I did you uh notice the edible arrangement at Susan's funeral? <laughs> yes, that was so funny and I just know. like it's sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like that would drive me crazy if, like, if I was sitting there, I'd just be like, who, why, why would you do this? <laughs> Who does yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember. I think that was a little quip that he had mentioned to her earlier. When he showed up at her house in the middle of the night, he said something about an edible arrangement. At yeah. Her funeral. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, I see you show. Well done. Yeah. It did look good, but like, she can't eat it. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> like insult to injury. Uh, all right. Well, okay. Any other shock and awe moments? When they went in party world, I loved seeing like the knockoff, like the spirit costumes, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was the funny. dog, like home defender. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, can't remember what the deep one was called, but it was like deep waters or something. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, was just, like... it was big um, first season of uh, Yellow Jackets energy, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let's move into choose your fighter. This is where we talk about our MVPs of the episode and why we love them. Jessica, who is your MVP for this episode? I I have to go with Becca. She is just, I can't even imagine how hard it is for her to be raising a child conceived in that way and trying to protect him from the world. And then all of a sudden 
the world comes to your doorstep to take everything away from you again. And she's doing everything she can to give this kid a loving, normal home and try to raise him right and do it the best she can with the horrible, horrible situation she is in. And I just, I, I really, really love Becca. She is so strong. She shouldn't have to be this strong, but she's so strong mm-hmm. and she has suffered so much. And I just, I have such affection for her. I have to go with Becca. I agree. Yeah. Rachel, who are you picking? I'm picking Kamiko with this. I just love that she, I mean, we, we, I feel like we learned so much about her and she, is put in a really difficult position, but ultimately she, you know, incapacitates her brother and, you know, she doesn't let him go. She doesn't fight him necessarily, um, but she does kind of hand him over to the boys. So she's, you know, treading that line really carefully, I think. I'm curious to see where that goes. But yeah, I just love it when we get to see her in action and just see yeah, how strong she is, how capable she is. And the, yeah that she can sign and communicate that way is great so just seeing her I don't know just learning more about her and the way that she is not willing to ditch the boys and just run off with her brother too like these people mean something to her mm-hmm. and she's taking that those relationships really seriously and so yeah I loved Kamiko in this yeah when she says they protect me mm-hmm. it's so interesting because you would think like I think about her as being the protector for them because she is a superhero, but it yeah. is really like a, a symbiotic relationship and it's, it's getting really sweet. And we hear um, Frenchie call her Kamiko. I just love when we hear her name after being called the yeah. female for so long. I just, mm-hmm. I love her. I agree. Both fantastic choices. I, because they have already, those two ladies have already gotten nods. I'm going to pick a train for this episode. Hmm. I think he comes roaring back, but I feel like something has changed and we can tell that something has changed. We don't really like he's what he just wanted Prince's guitar. Like, so he's had this near death experience. He has lost everything, but he's back now. And I think he is kind of trying to figure out what is going to be different. How is he going to use this chance? I think there's a part of him that still is you know, grateful to Annie for saving his life because she did and he would be dead if not for her. Um, so I just think this performance from him, I love that scene at the end. I think it more just kind of makes me excited for what's coming. And I just think he is, he's fascinating. He like, like MM to me, I think those two, I think are easy to, forget about with all of the big flashy characters in the episodes but they are Mm -hmm. just constantly there and they're constantly interesting and bringing depth to what could be a really shallow role you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give um mine to a train also love mm and frenchy i wish we got a little more of them in this episode but there's always already quite a bit um, all right. Well, let's move into predictions. So, Rachel, what do you think is going to happen next and what are you excited to see? Well, I think Butcher and Huey got to like fight it out some more or something. Like there's yeah. some there's some tension there. They got off at some point. You know? <laughs> yeah, they got to work it out somehow, whether it's a dance number or yeah, like, I don't know. Something's got to happen there. 
curious to see if like the deep is actually going to put in some work. I don't know. Like maybe like after this thing, like he's going to have some sort of, you know, existential shift. And like, I don't know. You changed man. You never know. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and then what? Like, what does that mean? (laughs) I don't, I have no idea, but I can't wait to see it. Um, You know, Starlight has the V now. So I'm kind of curious what the next move is going to be. Um, oh my God, it's so funny. We talk about character like it's. I get so excited about talking about these characters that are like, oh wait, there's a whole huge plot thing happening, and I just forget. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Sorry, so I, you know, maybe I keep thinking. I, I keep having this feeling like her and Huey are gonna break off at some point and like do their own thing. And so like maybe that's gonna happen next. I'm not sure. Uh, I definitely think something's going to hit the fan with Stormfront. I think that either that attitude is going to get her in trouble and, you know, that's going to catch up with her now that she's working on like this, you know, she's on a much larger platform than she was, you know, originally. So maybe something bad is going to happen there that's going to make her realize like, oh, wait, I am in the seven now and Mm -hmm. this is what it means or something bad about her is going to come to the forefront (laughs) maybe you know something that she's hiding i'm not sure her motivations i'm scared to like her i'm a little hesitant so i think that we're going to learn more about that listeners can't see but we are doing the uh lock and key (laughs) and throwing it away (laughs) movement (laughs) my lips are sealed um, I do think that's the sign of a really exciting new character too. Um, mm-hmm. It's when, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I'm afraid to like her too much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> don't break my heart. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's wrap up with some plugs. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. And where can our listeners find you online? And what do you have coming up? Um, you can find me on Twitter at we who walk here um, online at we who walk I have, you know, reviews and essays on that side and, and share my other works like at film cred and dread central and other places. Um, I've got some uh, festival coverage coming up um, that I'm excited about. Um, and yeah, just come say hi. And thank you both so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. I love the show. I love y'all. So it's been so much fun. I love having you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Definitely have to come back again. Rachel, where can we find you and what do you have coming up? You can find me on Instagram and threads at vi- <laughs> uh, the vinyl girl, G R R R L, and on <laughs> Twitter, X, I don't know, <laughs> at vinyl girl, G R R R L. Um, you can also catch me at, um, on the Halloweenies recently. And we just recorded a super fun episode about killer clowns from outer space. Mm um with mike and dan over there so if you're a killer clowns fan keep your eyes peeled for that one nice you can find me at jim Ferratu on um just wherever social things are <laughs> um and uh coasting the losers club we just talked about king on screen we did a really fun episode about bad boys with uh, our bad boy expert randall randall colburn who you can find on one of our previous episodes and also hosting the white ladies in crisis podcast where man physical is getting good this season. And I'm so Mm. into it. So many hotties on that show. Um, (laughs) So yeah, find me there and just writing and posting things. 
And that is it for this episode of The Girls on the Boys. We want to give a huge thank you to the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad for hosting us. Make sure to check out all the other fantastic shows on the feed. We will be back in your ears in two weeks to talk about episode, I'm sorry, to talk about season two, episode three, Over the Hill. I'm trying to figure out how to make a whale pun, but it's going to be fun. um, it's over the hill with the swords of a thousand men is the episode okay. title. And I just wrote in my episode or in my notes, it's a doozy. So until then, remember, you guys, you're the real heroes. Squad.